Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including Matt Lacey, David Walker, Tim Edwards, Illico Elia, Andy Hagen, Jamie Holland, Roland Roberts, Ian Wilkinson, Alistair Harding, Dan Laney, Ian Mercer and John Balshaw. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to help us for as little as $1 per episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is Season 14, Episode 3, and this week we're looking forward to 2017. We think it's the year of mobile, again. We're talking about what mobile first really means. And how consumer behaviour matters far more than technology. Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Oh, awesome. Let's start. There's some Danish there. there. Have you got Danish, Danish as well? Yes. Yeah, that was most kind. Oh, wow. I don't I don't have any Danish to say. So welcome back. Hello, Copenhagen. How's the weather? Hello, London. Hello, London. It's a little bit chilly. Excellent. Uh, but there is no snow. Can I make a suggestion about these weather reports? I'm not sure they're adding value given that people are listening to this months after you and telling them what the weather is today. Oh, I think that's right, neat. but if they're if they're listening, you know, at least they get a flavour, you know, for what I can see outside the window. Well, I'll tell you what the flavour yeah. of Denmark I'm getting from talking to you because we have you up on the big screen again, yeah, you know, today. Right, is basically Denmark to me looks a lot like fluorescent office lighting and a giant head. Yeah, so kind of a mix between the Teletubbies and some other popular sitcoms. <laughs> it's like some dystopian Teletubbies. <laughs> it's like a horrible, it's lovely to vision. see you guys as well. Yeah, well, hello. How's, how's how's your mobile world? How's your connected reality? Blimey, that's a big question, isn't it? I'm fine. We've just had some sweeties before the episode started. I mean, I can report I'm on a bit of a sugar high, but apart from that, I, I can't say anything positive. Have you delivered or anything like that recently? No, no, we haven't. Ever since you, ever since you left us, we've what? we've we've really uh, let the, let the whole pre-recording dinners slide. But that's because you are so many hours ahead of us now. I've always known you were ahead of us, but now you are literally ahead of us. Yeah, all the to, time. We have to record mm. slightly earlier just to accommodate you and McLeod's hectic social schedule. So, gentlemen, any news before we move on to the episode? That is a time zone, I think you mean. Yes, yes. My hectic social... Anyway, yeah. Go uh, any any, any Go. news you'd like to share with us before we get into this week's topic? I'm getting a little bit better at all this Copenhagen Danish lifestyle, um, you know, shopping. Right. I had to go and pick up a package. I had to rush out after work and pick up a package at the post office, which closes at 6pm. Right. Wow. You don't normally get out of bed till then, do you? Well, you know, I, I pushed myself because I wanted this particular package. It had the router for my internet. Oh, and wow. arrived, you see. So for your internet, that. your own, your yeah. whole own internet. <laughs> for the house. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like a fixed connection because I'm, I'm using um, 4G broadband. Right. Um, Which is for fine. internet at the minute. Which is fine. It's fine, it's fine. But now and again, I think a fixed internet is quite helpful. And uh, talking of people who struggle to get fixed line internet, Rafe Lamford, how is the estate? Oh, it's doing very well now. It's got fibre to the estate. It's it's excellent. 300 megs down and um, oh, about 60 megs up. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, so I, very I, exciting. I, I always wondered what FTCE stood for. <laughs> it's fibre to the estate. <laughs> but but, but enough, enough about me. I mean, I went to a very momentous event last weekend. Did you? Yes. I can't think what that was. Uh, well, it was, was uh, it was a birthday celebration for an old man. Wasn't oh, the baby yes. Jesus, was it? Because it's Christmas. no, no. Oh, okay. no. I think we have to uh, 
say a big happy birthday to Ben. So happy birthday, Ben. Thank you very much. I'm old Congratulations. Now. I'm Properly old. Peering into the Many precipice happy of returns. death. Thank you. Yeah, halfway to what are you now? Halfway to? Well, more than halfway to death, I'd say, given the, given the mm. lifestyle I've led. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> life's taken a toll. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm 40 years old now. 40 oh. years young. I know. I can't believe I'm the oldest one amongst us. Because Rafe Blanford was looked about 45 since he was 12. And you and McLeod, I know you're off jetting around the world like a grown-up. And here I am just being old and a bit knackered in glamorous London. We love you. We love we, you. Have you got any jokes for us before we begin the whole... I road tested a few jokes with you before the episode started recording and they both got mm. a fairly solid thumbs down. So we'll, we'll, just, do, we'll just do one. Just do one, oh, one yeah, joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you and McLeod, what is the difference between a smartly dressed man on a unicycle and a scruffily dressed man on a bicycle? Mm. I do not know. What is the difference? Attire. Oh. Yeah, okay. I am smiling. No, I was smiling. Gonna say, now we can see you on the video wall. I can also see the blank seconds as you're working out. No, <laughs> hang on. No, that's not funny. Okay, I didn't enjoy <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I saw that one land in real time. And we should say happy Christmas we should. to everyone who's listening to the podcast. That's if right. we've got our recording schedule right, and by schedule I mean dates we put into a text message, and by schedule I mean thing I made up on the train on the way in this mm. morning, then this episode should be going out just after Christmas. So... If you celebrated, hope you had a good Christmas. If you didn't, then hopefully you're having a nice break. And if you didn't have a nice break, then, well, sorry. We no. can't, we can't. Are they, uh, Blanford, are you toasting the Queen again or not this year? What's your... It's not something that is a typical part of the Blanford Christmas, I'm afraid to say. But future Rafe has probably really enjoyed his sausage rolls. Yes, I mean, actually, it's, I mean, no, it's normally the other way around. The Queen toasts Rafe, you see. Well, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, it's family, you see. So, you know, you, you always get mm. together with family at Christmas. So, Perhaps we yes. can move on to some more substantial content now. I was going to tease you about pheasants for about five minutes, but we're, we're running short of time, so we should. So, um, a turkey. <laughs> so, so uh, what are we talking about this week, Rafe Blanford? Well, actually, kind of Happy New Year. So we thought 2017, year I, of mobile. I think 2017 could be the year of mobile. What do you reckon, you and Yeah, oh, excellent. Every single year. <laughs> every single year. <laughs> This is the year of mobile. This is the year of mobile advertising. This is the year of... But you know what? There, there is a view that, that I can subscribe to, that, that we are very, very rapidly going mobile with everything, aren't we? Okay, that's, so there we go. It's 2017, year of mobile only in the mainstream majority. And I think that last part is the really important piece because I can feel people switching off going, oh, we've heard this before and we have literally done this podcast before almost you know, two, three years ago. We, we talked about the year of mobile. But this year, it's about mainstream mobile-first or mobile-only services. So what does that mean in practice, Rafe? You can define it in lots of ways, and there is kind of the experience. And what it quite literally means is people are using their mobile phone, and that's it. That is their primary digital experience. And you can look at some numbers from Facebook with monthly activities and things like that. We'll maybe do that in a minute. But I think the distinction here is it's a lot of activities that traditionally would have been associated with a desktop are now done on mobile de facto without any thinking about, and it's not an active choice. It's just the way it is now. And I think for me, that's what really marks it out as different because if you think about the sort of stuff that you and I do, Ewan, for a while, mobile banking was a thing you could do and lots of people did it, but everybody would think about it as an additional way to do it. If you wanted to do proper banking, you'd go into a branch. If you were doing everyday banking, you'd do it online. And if you were doing a very small subset of urgent transactions or quickly checking some simple information, you'd do it on a mobile banking app. And lots of people now do that. But 
now increasingly these services that are kind of fundamental to running our lives you go to mobile first and you start to buy products or you start to do research or you start to engage with businesses and it doesn't even occur to people to try any other way other than on a mobile phone what's interesting is when, when's the last time you thought about a price plan we used to spend ages talking about price plans and uh how many specifications how much it costs per, yeah all that Oh, the specification wars ended years ago, didn't they? Ages ago. We just don't care. I think you can see, you know, on the trains, on the buses, you can see people doing their lives. You know, they're doing the shopping, they're getting the dry cleaning ordered, they're doing this, they're doing that, they are researching, they might be booking the holiday. Yeah, yeah. It's just fascinating. And we should be clear here. I mean, we're mainly talking about our own experience of Western markets and we appreciate it. It's different depending yeah, 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 yeah. On, on, on where you look. But in some ways, some of the Asian markets have actually been leaders in this in terms of offering some of these services in the way people live their lives. And perhaps you could say you know, they've gone mobile only because they never were on the desktop. And I think if we talk about the Western markets, it always used to be, as you say, specs or brazers, you know, what was the penetration of smartphones? And now we're talking about markets which are 80% smartphones. And it's not everybody, but it is that mass market majority. So, and what we're talking about now is what is the consequence of everyone having a smartphone? How does that change how people's expectations work, how businesses operate? I mean, for me, one of the most obvious examples was we were out to dinner the other week. Yeah. Rafe, you, you came and had a birthday dinner with us. And we left the restaurant and I, talked, I said goodbye to all my guests. And they were like, 20 people there. So we had a vast array of different ages, backgrounds, all that kind of stuff. And everybody was using mobile to plan their journey home. Some people were looking up train time. Some people were getting yep. Ubers. Some people were hailing cabs. Some people were just using Google Maps to plan. But it was now the default behavior. And crucially, everybody just assumes they were going to have good 3G coverage. Everybody had a plan that they could use to get access data. And everybody assumed that they would have a GPS device. And it was now part of that. Nobody commented on the fact that any of that was unusual. Many of the people who were doing those things had no idea that they were doing location lookups and all those sorts of things. But because it's become normal now, you know, getting an Uber has become a byword in London for ordering a cab. Yeah. Uh, and we used to talk about technology, but that technology has almost become invisible because it's become about those mobile first experiences. And again, it's probably worth emphasizing that it is maybe a certain demographic where that applies more than others. But it's clear if you look at kind of that audience of 30 to 50, it's become normal. If you look before that, you actually have an audience that is basically natively mobile and has grown up and regards that as perfectly normal. There is still that sense of wonder, I think, for those two segments. And there is actually one that we should probably just touch on briefly, that those who aren't part of that mobile revolution, who, you know, arguably say that they have difficulty getting access to some services and it's going to become an increasing problem in the future. How do you reach those people who aren't digitally connected? I mean, we kind of talk about that a bit now with digital services. I think it becomes even more acute with mobile, which is such personal devices in which there's an assumption that everyone has it. The test that I'm waiting to apply and the one that mattered to me is if as a non-US national, you want to visit the US, but as a British person, certainly, yes. you can apply for an ESTA, which is effectively a sort of a visa waiver. Mm -hmm. And that's been a requirement for a few years now. That has only ever been available online. Yes. So if you want to access the normal process, there are agents that will do it for you, but you need to pay them. But if you want to access the normal government you know, fee of $14, I think we pay, or something in that vein, yeah. you have to be online. 
And so what I'm looking for now is when is the first time we will see government services, which are things that are sort of effectively mandatory or fundamental, fundamental to exactly you know, to, to living everyday life. When will we see those only presented through mobile? Because there are lots of businesses that choose to do that, but they do that for the economies or the scale or the convenience because you can't practically offer an Uber-like service other than through a mobile phone app. You can send people cars, but sending people cars isn't what Uber does. You know, it's the convenience of hailing one and knowing when it's coming and all those sorts of things. So when do you think that we'll move to that point where you actually can't conduct important sort of transactions that are central to everyday life without mobile? It's a tricky one because you have to assume that there is something that's only available on mobile that makes that very easy. And I think the web remains a great universal and actually good mobile web experiences should work just fine on desktop. And there is, a, you know, the concept of mobile first has been around for, you know, what, seven or eight years now. But we are starting to see things where you will get the best possible experience on mobile. And I think we're already there in, in some cases. For government, it feels like it'll be a bit longer just because of the way they operate. But you and the, often what precedes it is that the most digitally enabled, and that's a horrible term, but you know what I mean, they yep. get the best deals. The people yes. who are able to access digital services are able to bypass middlemen, are able to comparison shop, are able to give the companies better data about themselves by you know location or, or context, contextual data through an app. So yeah. actually, there's a huge price incentive, a market incentive to buy things through mobile devices or that as yeah. well, aren't they? Do you remember the time when your parents asked you to book the cheap flight? I remember that my parents couldn't do their own EasyJet just yeah. because it was online. It was on, it was on the internet. I think my dad could probably do it, but just, you know, we would have to sit down with them and go through it and they would wait until one of us was around to actually, you know, we would go onto the internet on our laptop yeah. or whatever and we would do it. But I mean, it's, it's quite similar to that, isn't it? It is. And as Ben said, it's actually about unlocking those efficiencies. But I think there's also a scale thing here. I mean, I mentioned Facebook's numbers earlier. In Q3, they said, you know, they basically get 1.8 billion users, which is pretty mind-blowing in itself. And this is monthly active users. But of those, 1.6 billion or so are monthly mobile active users. Now, that is ridiculous, isn't it? And 1 billion are mobile only, which means they don't consume Facebook services, anything other than through a mobile device. And I think this is interesting because the experience of Facebook on mobile is the best you can get. If you think about the way Messenger works, if you think about 360 video on the platform, you get that kind of almost that premium experience. It's what you're alluding to, Ben. You're starting to get the situation. It always used to be that mobile was kind of the afterthought. Yeah. And actually now you're seeing mobile first and then actually the services kind of progressively degrade as you go to the other channels. But if, if, you, if you're doing social, you want to share pictures, watch video, make video, do location-based stuff. For a long time, the mobile has been the best way to do those things. And the, the real problem for mobile was payments and transactions because those were too onerous yeah. to do on a small right. device. But now yeah. that we have Apple Pay, Android Pay, Samsung Pay, and all of the other services like that that will either come along or exist in you know geography specific ones that's very quickly been overtaken now and it's actually i prefer to pay with apple pay through an app or indeed i think you could, i've not done it through a browser yet but you know it is the demonstration shows as simple through the browser than actually typing in my credit card into a service so it's only the likes of amazon or those retailers that i regularly shop with who hold my current you know credit card details all the time that actually have that same advantage so 
what that billion number as well shows us, Rafe, is the magnitude because you you keep emphasising that it's where we live and the geography that we're in and the, the kind of the lifestyles we lead. And that's a fair point and it's an important bit of context so we don't get too excited about how fantastic we are. But when it's a billion out of 1.8 billion, that also shows that that is a global trend. Absolutely. And, and it's out of scale about anything we've experienced before on digital. And I think that's the other thing that this, this starts to bring home to you is it operates on a scale that we just really haven't seen before on consumer services. And I think critically, as you say, that user journey has almost been completed from end to end with things like payment, but also the re-engagement opportunities offered by messaging and notifications and that part of it. So the friction has been reduced such that it's now easier to do it on mobile as well. And actually, I would argue that the cognitive load of things like banking or shopping have got to the point now on mobile where it's easier than doing it any other way. And that's, I think, always a critical thing with technology. That tipping point moment comes when it actually, for the majority of users, it becomes easier to do it just from the simple utility aspect of it. Now, mobile has convenience in many other ways, but for that mass market, that bit in the middle, which is always the hardest to get, that's actually about usability and experience rather than anything specific around the technology. We'll use it because it's cool. Everyone else will use it because it makes their lives simpler and it's less effort for them. And so let's talk about Monzo. Monzo, Great example. Monzo is a, a startup bank in the UK, although mm-hmm. they're, they're well known. And they're, I say Tom, their chief executive, was behind GoCardless and, and some, some other business finance type startups that people will know. And they've got an interesting proposition and we sort of don't really need to talk about it as a, as a product in depth. But for me, the thing that marks out the fact that the tail is now wagging the dog is that they are building all of their infrastructure, their whole bank is being built from the ground up, bespoke, to be real-time because everything that happens in a transaction needs to be reflected to the mobile device, which is the only way that you can access the account at the moment, in real-time, and all of the things that you need to know about are notified to you through push notifications in real-time. And so the product they have now is, is interesting. It's a beta product. But actually what's really exciting is actually the plumbing that they're building for the, the lifespan of their whole business is being designed from the ground up because they need it to support mobile and, and simply taking legacy banking infrastructure or buying a bank from a third party. It isn't sufficiently optimized because now you know what customers expect from a Facebook type experience, uh, you know, a relatively... You know, it's huge, but it's simple. It's, you know, it doesn't yeah. have the demands of banking. And so you know, now we've turned it on its head and actually it, then the mobile need is driving whole businesses. Absolutely. And I think it's why these mobile first startups are seen as so disruptive because they are. And one of the reasons is the foundation from which they build are different. They don't have that technical debt to, that they have to solve in order to deliver these new experiences. And you know, for Monzo, Real time sounds something simple, but actually people are used to their debit cards just being fairly dumb instruments that you then hear about when you go and check your statement online. And you can do it with a bit with banking apps, but it's that clever use of real time. And another example of that is the way you can actually freeze the card. So if you do lose it, you can just freeze the card. It will stop being valid, but you also have the option to unfreeze it. But that's all self-service, which then has some quite interesting implications for the business model as well in terms of how you do customer service. And in the app, you can actually type in a kind of a conversation interface, support and feedback to Monzo. I know that's going to be part of their future plan. So they're a great example of this, you know, built 
not just mobile first, but built natively on mobile as well. I think oftentimes when we're in work, you and I rave about business apps being terrible and People sort of say to me, well, why does it matter? Like all enterprise software is, has a horrible interface or is really onerous to use. I say, because, you know, a few weeks back, I was talking to graduates and saying, you know, welcome to the world of work. This is what we do. You know, welcome to your new career in IT. By yeah. the way, the tools we're about to give you, yeah, they seem prehistoric compared to the ones that you've just used to study your degree. And you'll go home and your PlayStation will be a model of user experience joy compared to the facilities <laughs> that we're going to give you to run a multi-billion pound business. And uh, even though you're a knowledge worker, we won't actually let you choose any of your own tools. You know, if you were a carpenter, we would give you a blunt saw and then insist you used it and we'll be gobsmacked at the idea, you know, like telling a chef that they can't bring their own knives into the kitchen or something like that. And it's now to the point where users' expectations are not set by another bank or another comparable app. It's the experience they have, you know, sort of on their mobile device because they see the transaction in the context of, I can do this through my phone. And if I can buy a plane ticket or do my banking or pay my tax or get health alerts from my doctor or book a car or, you know, pay for my insurance. And those things are all quick and seamless and take all the contextual information that they have about me. And then you walk into your business and you say, please key in all 16 digits of your credit card yeah. number. And I'm going to look up your address now, type in your postcode or your zip code or something, and I'll look you up. You know, it's an immediately sort of juddering halt back to, you know, a very painful experience. And, and I think this is important because for traditional brands, what people consider great customer experience has really changed in the last few years. And the goalposts in terms of doing well has moved. And the, particularly the traditional brands have to be aware of that. And the investments that they made before in digital, which were huge and which were hard enough to get through in terms of investments and things like that. I think if anything, it's got even worse because both the reach and the speed of mobile means that those things happen more quickly now. And I absolutely still think they have a place, but it does require a certain amount of ambition and bravery to sort of go, okay, we can't just sit on our laurels. We do need to be aware that this is happening because there is a danger that you get left behind if, if you don't do this. I mean, you and I think actually a good example of this is you were trying to get to the airport in Copenhagen to pick some people up and you had a bit of a problem with the whole traditional taxi service and the public transport didn't quite work out for you. But then you came to what's effectively a mobile first solution to it. Right. So I was quite astonished by this one. I was taking the very, very efficient transport, the metro, to the airport. And for some strange reason, there was an exception. Now, these exceptions don't happen that often. But the one stop before the airport, the doors opened at the platform and stayed like that. And then there was some announcement in Danish, which of course I didn't understand. Everybody got off the train, the doors closed, and I just went back the opposite way. So Were you on the train at this point? Yeah, I was on the, on the. I went off the track. Everyone's on the platform because I followed the crowd, right? Good and everyone's looking at each other, and realised that there had been a problem with the line toward the airport. So there's now about five hundred people standing on the platform, going, "How do I get to the? Uh, how do I get to the airport? I need to go." Yeah, and I, I, I had timed everything, everything to perfection. I was about three minutes from the bit where you wave at people, right? Yeah, at that <laughs> point, right? Because I was, was going to welcome the family over to Copenhagen. So I was panicking because just, the just plane... for clarity, the bit where you wave at people, he means the arrivals hall. Ah, yeah, okay, the arrival, yeah, the arrival, yeah. Yeah. I just, just yeah, thought right. I'd translate it into grown-up words for, yeah, for the listeners. Fair point. For, yeah, the, the arrivals hall bit. Everyone took their phone out, as you might expect. Everyone was on the phone to the very efficient taxi services and to the Ubers. And I thought, 
okay, okay, here is an idea. I brought out my Drive Now app, and I Drive Now is the BMW supported car rental by the minute service. I think it's available in a few European cities, London, Berlin, I think, and here in Copenhagen. There's a few other cities as well. I signed up to it a while ago, and I hadn't really used it that much until this point. I thought, oh, I wonder if there's... Because like, the taxis were completely busy, no taxis. There's hundreds of people everywhere. Then the next train arrives, another 500 people get off. Then another train arrives, another... Fi- these, and, these are the biggest trains in all of Europe. Yeah. It's 500 wrong. Maybe it's 100 people then. I don't know, loads of people. A Enough million that, people got off the train. Yeah, uh, on Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. One third of the population of Denmark not, got off the train. Could not handle yeah. it. I was really impressed with the Drive Now app because I just pulled it up and I said, right, where's the nearest car? And it said, it's three minutes walk. I said, okay, all right, reserve. And that reserves it for 15 minutes just so that nobody else can get it. And then I walked out the, the tube station along to the car and I, I could see it in front of me. I just pressed unlock. Whoosh, the car unlocked. So I got in, typed in my PIN number and drove off to the airport. Really, really cool. And I did drive by all of these people kind of queuing and jumping into cabs because a makeshift queue with, with, no, it did look like hundreds, lots I, of people. I, had I, I noticed you and had to get in his superiority comment there, just looking down on everyone else. But I, well, I, I, hold I, on think, I was just really quite you, impressed with technology. What you did was you, you and pulled over to the side of the road and said, is anybody else going to the airport? Because I've got three spare seats in my car. No, I, okay, okay. I should probably have done that. Probably uh, or actually <laughs> definitely have done that. I did do that in Helsinki, by the way. For reference listeners, that was the sound of a man reconsidering his life choices or whether, <laughs> whether or not it should be better to other people. I said, it didn't look very safe when I was driving by. <laughs> yeah, Copenhagen, notorious. Yeah, yeah for date. Da- da- I, I mean, the people running everywhere and children running about. And, yeah. Right. Anyway, I got, the I got to the airport. Yeah. And yeah, Drive Now saved me. Very, very smart service. So I've but been wh- using it loads now. But what do, what do we learn there? Because I was thinking about a story for me recently, and it, it's this isn't promotion because I, I'm not, I, you know, I, I, hes- I hesitate to talk about the products I work on, but. The bank I'm currently working for has an app that means you can get money out of a cash machine without using a cash card. It's really and cool. It's really it's cool. It's a great idea. And it's a, it's a really good idea. And it's objectively a good idea whether or not I work for that institution. And I was out the other day with the child in the car. I'd left my wallet at home and I didn't have enough petrol to drive home and get my wallet. And I had the child in the car, so I couldn't, you know go huge distances without the car because we didn't have a buggy or anything with us and he's too small to walk. So there were a number of choices. I could go to somewhere that would take Apple Pay and all those sorts of things. But there's this kind of game of jeopardy you play when things are starting to go wrong for you in terms of I'm going to make decisions now and that decision is going to stop me making some of the other decisions I could have made. And you no, wait, know, wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. Can you not just contact us at the BP station? I could have possibly Apple Paid. Not all the petrol stations near us will take Apple Pay. So you're right, I could, have got, I could have driven to the one that I think. That was then, one option, yes. But then I would have been driving away from the other petrol station in case I'd Ooh. remembered it the wrong way around. So, oh my God, exactly. what'd you do? Well, so, so in this case, literally... Hashtag I'm, first world. Well, so yeah. I'm scanning, so all I've got is my phone. I'm scanning through mm. my phone thinking which app is going to help me most. All he's got is his 700 euro device and yeah. a massive, massive, super expensive car. Exactly, but people with facilities and people with means still have problems that need solved, and it's actually solving those people's problems is often more profitable because they'll pay you to help solve the problem. So scroll through, and basically I was close enough that the most convenient thing for me to do was not to risk it and was to go and get cash. So 
you know, used my phone, requested the cash, went up, typed in the PIN code into the machine, didn't use a cash card, got the cash out, and now I'm good because I know wherever I go, everywhere I will definitely take it. And not only am I good like to go and get petrol, so now I can drive where I need to, I don't need to go home to get my cards anymore. I can go and make all of the transactions I need to. Yeah, so, so I'm good. And, but the, the moral of the story there is actually I can solve nearly every problem I need to with my phone, but also yeah. I actually now I'm using it, you know, by default. I didn't, you know, like I got back and it sort of struck me afterwards, like I hadn't rung my wife. Like there I am miles from home with the child in the car, you know, with a problem with a phone that's working perfectly well, I could have just rung my wife and said, oh, I've screwed up. Please, you know, come and get us, bring my bank card. But, you know, it didn't even even occur to me to do that. And so here, we're at this stage now where it's so routine that actually it becomes part of the fabric of everyday life. And I think that's right. And it's that, I mean, talked about it as frictionless earlier, but that's a critical characteristic that it, you know, isn't, about the technology it's about solving those problems mm. that you have and yeah. in Ewan's case it was real time and actually you were observing everyone around you and arguably with drive now you're sort of a bit further ahead but all of these on-demand services and we've talked about them before particularly on that episode that we do not speak about yes yes urban massage mm. thank you everyone who contributed to that i oh, really yeah. appreciate it anyway this room still smells slightly of lavender by the, the way Ewan. The, the one <laughs> oh, that was the night that was the best night the one concern I do have about all of this is that some of that real time and some of that on demand does feel quite geographically focused. So I think you end up living in a bit of a bubble, particularly if you're on somewhere like London, with access to things like Halo, Uber, Amazon Prime now. And Ewan's kind of experienced some of that when he complains about not being able to have these things in Copenhagen. I think it's even more noticeable when you're outside a metro area. So yeah. I do wonder whether this rise of mobile first is actually creating almost a divergence in the experience of digital. Well, a few years ago, I would have agreed with you because it was sort of the urban elite having urban elite services because they were economic to provide in you know big cities. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting to the point where people of all generations and all geographies in, I mean, we're still talking about certain countries. So we talk about, you know, Western Europe and places like that, except, but across society in those countries, those services are not now unusual. They're not special. They're not elite. You can access them from devices that the vast majority can afford to have. And so now what we're looking at is, I mean, I think you and your example is interesting because by being a sort of an early adopter, you had an advantage in as much as you had a wider choice of services to choose from because everybody, right. everybody could hail a cab through their phone. That's now yep. normal. But of course, when things go crunch, you then had even more options that you could hire yes, a car. What, and what was interesting is people, they've all got the smartphones. They've all probably got the apps, but most people, they really? were phoning their taxis yeah, because they thought, ah, hold on a minute. The most effective thing to do is to phone because you'll get through. Actually, I think that was creating more havoc because I don't know how many people they have taking phone calls, but all of a sudden, a load of people on a train started phoning. Yeah, but, everybody I mean, phoned uh, for a cab. And, and that is typical stress or conflict behaviour. People don't always think through their options and they fall back often on the simplest thing. But yeah. I mean, I accept your argument, Ben, that these have gone mass scale and that everyone uses them. But, but, I, but I, I still my... think there is that geographical issue. And the reason, reason it is, I think because it's become so seamless, because it's just become normal, it's actually exposed some of the underlying logistics problems. And so delivering some of these services, particularly in rural areas, you don't get Uber, you know, you still have the traditional. So I feel like there is this 
disconnect between there, metro and rural areas there still. is but that's why next year is the year of mobile because okay. it's about a mindset shift so in my village in rural hampshire i will not get an uber but it is now the default behavior for the majority of people who live there he says generalizing horribly to use their mobile phone to plan their travel so mm. i can use it to plan my train transport which is the main you know route yeah. in and out of the village i can use it to look up times for the local bus service. It will tell me road disruption delays down to very fine grain reporting using social services like Waze. I mean, I drove across, you know, single track roads the other week and the closures and the flooding and all those sorts of things were all on Waze. Yeah. And it, so it's not directly analogous. You know, a guy didn't come in a car to pick me up, you know, and drive me Uber style, but I had a very similar experience in the context I was experiencing it. But more importantly, you know, when you sit in the pub and you look at how people are choosing to solve their problems, they're picking up their phone first. And now it's not a case that that's novel. It's a case of if you want to be front of mind when you want to sell a service or help people solve problems, and let's face it, you know, the whole product theory is you hire a product to solve a problem for you. That's where you give it money. Then on mobile devices where you need to be. I had a first world problem the other day. I was in Dubai airport trying to book a taxi to pick me up from the airport. Use, and I thought, I'll give the business to the local taxi firm. I can see a whole new podcast here, Ewan McLeod. Ewan McLeod's First World Problems. <laughs> Join us every week as we as a series of 20 episodes <laughs> as we solve Ewan McLeod's First World Problems. I was in a major metropolitan hub and they didn't have the right type of hummus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was in Dubai and I wanted to book the local taxi firm to pick me up. And of course, I wanted to do that with the app. And the app only works in the UK. The people that made it haven't given it the facility to, what's is it geolocated? Right. What, I can see the what, I'm trying to think, thinking. I'm doing the thinking. I'm trying to think what, what, what wasn't actually working. And it, was, it would only allow me to say where I am and show the nearest pickup point. So, of course, I'm in Dubai, so the app goes, you're too far away. Yeah. You're right. Your nearest pickup point is Dover. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and this actually, I think, illustrates the point I was trying to make, that people assume that, Mobile first, and I think digital service in, in general is kind of the destruction of space as we think about it as humans. But actually, underlying all of the delivery of this is it still happens in the real world. So it still happens in traditional space. And so when you go somewhere overseas or when you go to an area which is outside of the reach of that typical operations or logistics framework, it starts breaking. And actually, it's not that that hasn't happened before, but it's unusual that that's starting to become the primary problem but the, when, it, when it doesn't work. But the difference is the speed at which that gets resolved. Because Absolutely. if you are now starting a taxi firm, I mean, yeah. admittedly, not many are, but if you were starting a taxi firm or if you're starting a hairdresser salon or something that has a very sort of local reach and is very specific to a geography, one of the first things you'll do now is sign up to one of the big aggregators to get your services into some kind of app or some kind of, I mean, like uh, if you take real estate agents in the UK, the only function that as far as I can see that real estate agents serve is to get you into the property aggregators. Rightmove is the big brand in the yeah. UK so that you can, your property can be searched online, you know, in the main place where people go to search for houses. And I think- Supla, Supla, other brands are available. Well, other brands are available, <laughs> but all of the, the only way to access those is through a subscription with a real yeah, estate but, agent. And mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, Rafe, but- it's more a case of we're in a transitional phase and now having an online digital presence with a way for people to access you and expecting to deal with digital transactions is going to be the default. Yeah. And actually many small businesses jump 
you know, all of that transitional piece because they just, it's part of their startup. And, and I think that's the other interesting, if we, we talk about the impact of the year of mobile in 2017, that acceleration of the velocity of startups, I think is a hallmark of this new age because you can use all of those tricks to kind of get to a business worthy scale very quickly indeed. And I think a really great example of that is all the restaurants or the on-demand eating services and actually now there are people talking about and indeed running things they're, they're, almost they're, out of... They're on, they're on demand cooking services, aren't they? I offer an on demand eating service, but unfortunately <laughs> yeah, no one will buy it from me. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you were going to catch me on that. Yes, bed, but, yes I was, um, yeah. And you've actually got these idea of restaurants that don't have any tables because actually yeah, they're just catering them. to the, the yep. on demand audience. And while I don't you know, think that's the norm, you can certainly see in the future... You no know, businesses almost reconfiguring themselves to do that. And actually, as I say, that velocity at which it happens is pretty much unprecedented. And it's funny, actually, because businesses that previously looked like they were struggling, like home deliveries, like subscription deliveries, like in the UK, you'd have milkmen would you know, sort of deliver milk daily yeah, yeah, and things yeah. like that. You know, some of those businesses can be revitalized by the fact that they have the infrastructure you're talking about. And what they now need to do is to plug in so people can find them, because what mobile does poorly is discover hyper-local services and, and surface them. You need to be plugged into something bigger. But it, you're right, it needs, it needs that local delivery. You're talking about Milk and More, by the way, is the um, Milk and More is That's the, the UK uh, brand, isn't it? The UK that, brand, yeah. 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 And what's interesting about that is it's almost, we're coming full circle because there has been a big aggregation of services, retail and shopping into these kind of big conglomerates. And Amazon is a great example of that. But, you know, the supermarkets in general, but in theory, at least, we can see a, a future where it is possible to have, as, as Ben described, these hyper-local services. And I think a lot of that will come through these big aggregated presentational layers and Uber, et cetera. And, you know, it's the more optimistic way of looking at the on-demand economy and service workers. And by aggregated presentational layer, do you mean app? It's not just app. It could be, Don't it will be these big brands. And actually, I think in the future, it will be things like virtual assistants, which you will surrender a certain amount of agency to. And they will work out, they will discover all these services for you. And actually, it's a pretty profound change if you start thinking about it, because I think consumers will stop making or at least not have this decision entirely within their own control. And it's when AI and algorithms start to come in, it becomes a it's much broader question. You know, that's what this 2017 year of mobile first will start to enable. And that will be the really interesting next step. And let me ask you, ask you this question. Next year, how many people will be having chats with their brands via mobile? Because that's one that's been stimulating me. I managed to switch off my mobile service via chat. I had a debit card sent out to me via chat. I've been using chat a lot. It's particularly effective on mobile. So I think the fact you have chat interfaces already on your phone means that you'll be able to talk to the brands you need to talk to where you already are. Uh, and that, Well, that's assuming that they then plug into WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, also, which I think is, is happening, but, but, but we're... But they have to, like, you know, so going into a brand. Ah, but that's, app. that's a new thing. Yeah. Right, but see, at the moment, we're still in the app environment, or you're still in a. I, I was I was ordering something on the web the other day using my iPad, and up popped the chat interface. Yeah. I was, I was in the taxi. I was doing 60 miles an hour along a road. Yeah. But I, I was able to query them. They authenticated me. I was able to actually have a proper conversation and do a transaction via chat in their browser, well, which I think is a, is a stepping stone to 
messenger well, bots and so stuff. for my money apps and a custom interface to the thing that you're offering is a far quicker way it's quicker to tap and go through an app if you want to do regular transactions when you want mm-hmm. to do complicated customer service then maybe some discussion you know is required yeah. but i think that you're back to just you know classic message email type messaging even yeah, if it's inside yeah. an app but i thought that the convenience of chatbots was supposed to be when they came to you so they appeared yes, in my message and they yes. appeared in what's what's are we are we planning that for 2017 i don't know no i think this is the stage where it's still all it well, it's still all novelty and i think that we're going to yeah. have we're going to yeah. fall out of love a little bit with chatbots next year because we're going to realize that doing simple transaction is a real ball ache for when you actually you should just go you know you used to be able to go click click go yeah we're running out of time so let's wrap the episode but what are you looking forward to for 2017 the year of mobile what's it going to mean to you personally Ewan? I'm just looking forward to being inspired by more neater, nicer services. I'm looking forward to seeing what the likes of Rafe's firm are dreaming up for their clients. The award-winning Rafe's firm, we have to call uh, it. Good point. Good yeah. point. Yes. I hear Rafe uh, won them an award. He's not Others were involved. Face. Right. Did you yeah, actually? Did, did you did you know that in uh, in Digitas LBI, the B in LBI stands for Blanford? Yeah, that, that's not I, true, actually. No, it, uh, if we yeah, say, Rafe, Rafe, I have spent five years telling people you live in a castle, and now it is true. Okay, yes. if I say the B in Digital SLBI <laughs> yeah. stands for Blanford, I need it's, twenty-four months, and it stands it's, for Blanford. It's, 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 it's the first it's one. I'd like to stop the second one. I'm not going to be that fussed about. <laughs> right, there we go. So, uh, you, you, uh, yes. neater services. What do you mean by neat? I just people making assumptions for me. I would like people to do a lot more thinking for me. Is that about context-like stuff then? Yeah, nicer interfaces, smarter context. You're beginning to see that a lot with Google. I'm using Google Maps. I think, oh, that wasn't there. Yeah. You know, or, or Uber. You know, that wasn't there. That was, that's new. For example, I love it on Uber when they say, you should use this entrance. Yes. Oh, right. Or your taxis, the taxi should pick you up from here. Could you walk over here? And that's crap. That's, that's learning from huge numbers of customers as well. There's like, there's been a pickup problem here. So go to the other end of the station. And that kind of stuff, I'm looking forward to seeing that on a wider scale because I think we'll see so many more new digital services across 2017 in, in mobile services. I'm quite excited to see what they've got for us. So, from my perspective, I'm looking forward to stuff that shouldn't have my attention not requiring it. So, yeah. Last week, my wife is getting rid of her company car. It's going back. We're getting rid of it. Right. And that means that we're going to have to change the cars. And that means a a change to insurance policy. This is a pain in the backside, okay? Because it's not useful to me. It's just administration. It's going to cost me money. It's It's just process, yeah. Went into my insurer's app, did the whole transaction in three or four clicks, you know, add this type of insurance to my existing policy. Yes, run it from this date. Click, 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 go. I'd finished making the change to the policy before my wife had decided that that was definitely what we were going to do. You know, we were talking about it. I was like, I'll just see how much it costs. Oh, it's like 15 pounds. Well, we'll pay that much just in case we need it, just for the convenience. Go. Wow. And no, they, that is smart. And there's nothing particularly mobile about the transaction I did. But the point was that I had my mobile in my hand and I could do the transaction as I thought about it. Even the business of making me go to my computer and logging on and remembering my password was just that, a pain. What brand is that? Because I instantly want to know... Yeah, because I want that level of service. So that was Aviva, who are UK uh, insurers, and we buy a couple of insurance products from them, and they're good. I can't speak to all elements. But the point was that I think they've identified that I will now 
go and buy more insurance products from them. I will pay more than You've the market been rate. How easy it is now. Yeah, because yeah. it's really super easy. Like if I'm going to go away on holiday and realize that I want to add somebody onto our travel insurance, I'll do it through the app. I'll buy a whole new policy from them just because I can do it through the app. And inside of the app, bang, there were all my policy documents. I yeah, emailed them to my really wife. Cool. So, you know, literally, here's your insurance certificate. Bosh, there you go. And it was all there in my hand whilst we were talking about it. And it was the solving the problem I had at the time of need. And because mm. it knew who I was and had all the context of my account. Well, that's because the power of smart it, service. But it persisted my login yeah. because on a mobile device, I stayed logged into my account. Yeah. You know, it was just, just brilliant. And for, for me, that means that that's changed my mind about how I do those transactions. It's no longer a hassle. So, I mean, I would say there is a word of caution that all these things we're talking about are kind of an ideal state. So I still think for 2017, I will be celebrating every time a service becomes available mobile first, because it's still something of an exception rather than the rule, even if we're getting there. But as a more general point, I would actually celebrate the humanizing of these services, because I think that's what makes for a great user experience. Because up until this point, it has kind of, as I suggested, it's been the exception rather than the rule. And it's often been quite tech heavy. It's been a bit tricky to understand. You almost have that narrative of the fact we tell people about these services and say that it's a great experience. There's something I think still to be achieved by making it accessible to everyone every day. And that's what I'll be looking for in 2017. And I think that's a problem that will solve itself because thinking, I was just thinking while you were talking, the insurance service I was using was not by any measure mobile first in as much as the product had been available online first and the web service is far more fully featured. You wouldn't argue it was mobile first. But my behavior as a consumer in one point of need has now become mobile only because I've learned it so much quicker. Why would you bother? And so now that insurance company is learning from me the next time they want to build services for a consumer like me start on their phone. And and I think that's a really important point because while we will absolutely switch services to get something that's mobile first because we kind of appreciate it, we're in that industry, I think that change of behavior that happens as a result of mobile first when other companies do do it and the clear benefit they will see as a result of that, you know, the KPIs will go up in the right direction. That's what's going to drive it in the bigger scale and for the future investments in, in years to come. And when we start talking about things like conversational interfaces, that blending of app and conversation and agency and virtual assistant. You know, we're only just getting going on a lot of the mobile services. There is a lot more to come. And that's what companies need to learn, just as they learned that digital was an important thing to do. But because mobile devices have a much greater reach, they're much more personal, much more capable. And that's why I still get excited about mobile. And while I always say, you know, you haven't seen anything in the last five years. The next five years are going to be so much more exciting. You heard it here first, you and the next yes, five please. years are the years of mobiles. Okay, we should wrap the episode there. <laughs> Done. Thank you to Andrew Campbell, who wrote in asking about Monzo. We were going to use it as a Rayfipedia question, but actually it was so relevant to the topic today, we rolled it into the conversation. So thanks, Andrew, for your tweet. Uh, nice if you'd like to ask Rafe a question, Rayfipedia is now open for business. So Ooh. tweet us or email us your question. You can find us at 361podcast or 361podcast.com online, where you can find an email form or leave us a voicemail and all the other ways you can contact us. We're also on Facebook and LinkedIn if you'd like to use them. You can ask us any kind of question or leave any kind of comment, but particularly we're looking for questions for Rafe Blanford to answer. As ever, we need to say a few thank yous. Thank you to our host at Digitus LBI for the recording venue. Thank you to Mark at audiowrangler.co.uk for editing this podcast. If you can hear it, he made it work. Thank you, Mark. 
Thank you to everyone who subscribes through Patreon, financially supports the show and the production costs, particularly uh, we fl- love you. flying Mr. McLeod out to Denmark every week to participate remotely is a, a huge, huge <laughs> cost to the podcast. We're going to take a short break over the New Year celebrations and we will be back in a, probably about two weeks' time in the new year with another episode. So we will speak to you all then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.